Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. So hey, my name's Chris. I'm the campus pastor here at SCC, and and uh, I, I'm so glad that you're joining, and I'm glad that you're joining us online as we close out our series, He Said, She Said. Have you guys been enjoying this series? And I have already heard so many cool stories from our small group leaders. Um, some, some of them are going to remain nameless, but, but about marriages and, and positive things. And in some cases, even people who are no longer married, who are processing through things and learning how to apply those relationships to the family. Uh, it's been really good. And I do want to warn you before we get going, as Chemo said, today's PG-11. So that means we're going to get a little uncomfortable and uh, we're going to talk about some things. And uh, first, I just want to say this. So... Did you know that the average American marriage is eight years? That is crazy. The average American marriage right now is eight years, y'all. And I just want to tell you, I'm a little proud when I found that out because my wife Jessica and I are hitting 17 this year. That's right. That's right. We have doubled the average American. Now, it's crazy to think that I'm not, I'm, I'm a few weeks, well, actually, later this week, I'll be turning 37, and I've already doubled the average American marriage. That is nuts. That is crazy. I'm just curious, uh, and you guys can applaud because I'm not going to be able to see your hands go up, but um, if, uh, if, uh, if you would, if you have been married for eight years or less, would you, would you make a little noise? All right. All right. Now, see, they're louder than if I said if you'd been married 40 or more. They're a little, still very excited. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But here's the thing. Uh, if, if especially for those that haven't hit that eight-year mark, I really want you to lean in and listen. If you've missed any of the messages in this sermon series uh, that Pastor Jeff has done an amazing job with, I want to encourage you, go to our website, go to our Facebook, watch those back. There's nothing better that we can do for your kids than to develop better marriages and better parents. Amen? We believe in that. Here, here's the thing. One, somebody asked me, well, it was actually a young couple. They've been married a few months. They said, how'd you stay married 17 years? I said, that's easy. When you want to leave, don't. I mean, when you want to leave, don't. You know, when everything in your body is telling you to run for the hills, you just stay. And then people will say, well, Chris, you know, you're, uh, what about her family members that might not like you or may not have liked you early on? I know you've been married for a while, so you don't remember what it's like. Oh, I remember what it's like. They'll be like, well, what about maybe some people in your circle or your friends that don't like her? You know, how do you deal with that? Listen, you outlast the hate. That's what you do. You turn your haters into cheerleaders, or you just outlast them one way or the other. When, it's, when you feel like leaving, stay. Now, you know, I, I want to encourage you. I said one of the best things we can do for ki- the kids of our church is to build better marriages within our church. There's, there's not a lot ways better to do that than, than to make your marriage a priority. Now, we're offering something called Date Night with Benny Tate. I want to encourage you on your connection card. If you have not signed up for that, you can still do that. Tell a friend. Um, 
and be here. Even if you're thinking about getting married, I would encourage the two of you to come to this together. Now, I want to start kind of, I want to get into the message a little bit, but I want to ask you, how many people in here would agree with me that men and women are very different? Very different. Very different. Trying, for me as a husband, trying to understand my wife makes less sense to me than why a round pizza comes in a square box. You know what I mean? And then you eat it in a triangle. I, I don't understand. I, that makes more sense to me than Jessica does sometimes. And I think the reason that God made men and women so different is that you would never stop trying to figure him or her out. You would always be willing to put in that work and always be willing to ask questions. I mean, men and women are so different. For example, a couple of weeks ago, I hurt my back getting out of bed. I hurt my back. I, somebody asked me, how'd you do it? I said, I woke up. I don't know what happened. <laughs> maybe, she, maybe she hit me with a knee. I don't know, but, but I woke up. And we did a 16-hour round trip uh, vacation a couple of weeks ago. And I am so stubborn that despite the fact that she offered every few miles to drive, I did all the driving. Anybody else in here got to do all the driving? Right? I mean, again, I can't see you, but I believe you're there. I feel your spirit. No, um, here's the thing though, like I don't believe anybody but me can drive. That's just the way that is. I know I'm wrong, but I also think you are. So, you know, that's where I'm at. But she offered so many times, you know, but we're so different. There are just certain things, you know, cats don't bark, right? Dogs don't meow. And if they do, something's wrong with them. You don't want that. You know, it's so funny. I was talking to somebody not too long ago, and, and he was saying, you know, well, my friend is just acting like the devil. And I said, well, was he saved? No, he's not saved. Well, why are you expecting him to act like a Christian when he don't know Jesus? Now, that's a sermon for a whole nother Sunday. That's a sermon for a whole nother Sunday. I want to start out with the Apostle Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians 7 and 3. This is what he says. A man should fulfill his duty as a husband, and a woman should fulfill her duty as a wife, and each should satisfy the other's needs. Each should satisfy the other's needs. It doesn't say it's supposed to be one way or the other. It said each should satisfy. Now, I do want to get into a little bit of Greek with you. You want to go on a field trip to Greece? Here's what we're going to do. Okay, the word fulfill in 1 Corinthians 7.3, and let's, let's put that verse back up there. The word fulfill in 1 Corinthians 7.3 is a Greek word called apodidodo. Can you repeat that? Apodidodo. That's the way you pronounce it, at least that's the way I'm doing it. And the word is translated, the word is translated to give, give, or to give up or give away, but we're going with give. The word duty is ophilion, which means a debt that is due, it means what you owe, okay? So let's kind of look back through it in that context. A man should pay what he owes as a husband, and a woman should pay what she owes as a wife, and doing this, each should satisfy the other's needs. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever owed a debt? It's tax season. Y'all can tell the truth. Have you ever owed a debt? Listen, when, when someone owes you a debt, you pursue them. Okay, a business pursues somebody who owes them a debt. Okay, the IRS will pursue you if you don't pay your taxes. Okay, we're called to pursue those who owe us, and no more is that the case than in husband and wife in marriage. So we have to be pursuing one another, and that's how we're going to meet each other's needs. So that's my sermon title for today. Sermon title for today is His Needs, Her Needs. 
Now, big things happened in the 1980s. We got any 80s babies? Why am I holding my hand up? A clap. There we go. We got some 80s babies. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it down. Don't worry. Here's some things. Some cool things happened in the 80s. All right. I was born in the 80s. I'm very, very excited about that. Back to the Future came out and changed American cinema as well as worldwide cinema, right? Back to the Future was huge, okay? All those gigawatts, right? Back to the Future came out. But another cool thing happened. And in, 19, uh, in the mid-80s, Dr. Willard Harley finished a 25-year research project. They started in 1960, and he wrote the book based on it called His Needs, Her Needs. You may have heard of it. It's been around a long time. It's a big time bestseller still to this day. And I got to be honest, kind of looking back through that, preparing for today's message, I was curious, you know, well, his project started in the 60s. He released this in the 80s. The book still hasn't changed. So I was wondering if maybe the top five needs of husbands and wives had changed over the years, right? Because it's a different time. Uh, when the book was written, there were far less women in the workplace, right? The world is a little bit different place. We have women in leadership. We have girl bosses, amen. I mean, those are the things that we got going on now. And so the world has changed. So I kind of polled some people. And I said, look, it's anonymous. I know who said what, but I won't tell you. But, but I polled them and I said, these are the five needs listed. Look through this and tell me, put these in order. Put these in order for me. And so I want to share with you um, numbers three through five for men, okay, in no certain order. These were the bottom, uh, bottom of the five. Numbers three through five for men that are for husbands' needs was recreational companionship. Somebody have fun with me. Come do the things I like, even if you don't enjoy it all the time. Um, another one, and this one seems a little shallow, but it's still said by most men, um, is to be attracted to their spouse. They want to be attracted to their spouse. And the third one is domestic support. You know, support me in the house. Whatever that looks like in your context and your family dynamic, support at home. Now, women, women's had actually changed more in the priorities of the top five since the book was released than men's. So I'm going to give you numbers three through five for women. The first one was affection. They want their husband to be affectionate. Number two is they want their husband to have conversation. You know, when you get home from work, I know you're tired, but have a conversation with me. Be willing to talk to me, even if you, you just kind of got to play along and pretend you know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Y'all know what I'm saying. Like, we're different. And the last one, and I thought this would go with conversation, but it's its own category. They want openness and honesty. Openness and honesty. Tell me how you feel. How many men in here do not want to be open and honest? I'm one of them. I hate talking about the way I feel because I know somebody's going to get mad. <laughs> Chances are somebody ain't going to like the way I feel about a certain thing. But anyway, here's what I want to do. If you'll uh, write this down as best you can. Um, the number two need of husbands the number two need of husbands, and we're counting down. I'm going to give you the primaries at the end. The number two need of husbands is admiration. Admiration. Ephesians 5.33, the Apostle Paul wrote this. And the wife must see to it that she respects and delights in her husband, that she notices him and prefers him and treats him with loving concern, treasuring him, honoring him, and holding him dear. So basically, he wants you to pay him attention. He wants to know that, that he has your respect. He wants to know that you think he does a good job when he does a good job and maybe even when he does a bad job. Like maybe he don't fold the laundry the right way, right? And let me tell y'all, there ain't no right way to fold a fitted sheet. I don't care what none of you say, okay? But, 
but he wants to hear that he did a good job. Now, maybe even you had to come behind him at a later date and show him the way you prefer it. But in that moment, he feels like he just climbed Everest. Like, build him up. Build him up the way that you would want to be built up. Men, men need to feel like you feel like you're lucky that they're your husband. That's, that's something very important. And keep in mind, these needs are not needs that people just decided. It was actually a biblical study. There's scripture to support each need. Now I want to share with you the number two need of wives. The number two need of wives, financial security. Financial security. There actually was a time where this was the number one need. But as I said, things have changed over the years. Now both are contributing in, in, uh, uh, in the finance. But 1 Timothy 5 and 8 says this. Anyone, anyone, and man, I want you to hear me on this. Anyone who does not provide for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Anyone who has done that. Here's the thing. I did a word study on that, and I'm not going to even try to pronounce that Greek word. But the word denied is actually rejected. And it translates essentially into you know what's right and do the wrong thing anyway. So that's like I know God uh, is, I know Jesus is Lord of my life. I know that he's my savior, but I'm going to act like I don't anyway. That's what that word means. The Bible says that husbands are to be a provider. I know that it's a little countercultural to today's word, but it's God's original design. It's the way he designed the family to function. And the family is a divine unit. Amen? Amen. You know, the world calls it sexist, but it's God's word. And, and it's not a, well, God's word says it. I believe it. That settles it. No, God's word says it. That settles it. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It's the way it is. Again, sermon for another day. Proverbs 12 and 9 says this. Proverbs 12 and 9 says this. It is better to be an ordinary person working for a living than to play the part of someone great but go hungry. Y'all hear that? It's better to do that than to play the part someone goes hungry. I'm convinced. I, I do know that the last few years... I mean, I'd be willing to say probably half of us have experienced some kind of change in our jobs over the last few years, right? I mean, the economy's kind of been a roller coaster. The housing market has just been insane. Like it's a buyer's market, it's a seller's market. It's like Georgia weather. If you don't like it, just wait. It's gonna change. But anyway, um, but anyway, listen, I'm convinced that a lot of men go a long time in between jobs out of ego. Out of ego. The reason I say that is I've, I've actually talked to men, husbands, fathers, that would say things like, well, you know, this job didn't work out. The company went under. I got all these offers over here, but they're all a little beneath me. Let me tell you something about being beneath somebody. Okay. If, if it means my family's going hungry, I'm finding a farm and shoveling whatever they got to be shoveled to feed my family. Amen? Because that's what you're called to do. You're, you are not, you're not called to, to necessarily always get a better job. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do in between times. That's what you got to do. Whatever needs to be shoveled, I'm going to do it. And here, let me say this too. And this is neither here nor there, really. 
It was a lot more here than there. But I believe that if you're the primary breadwinner in your family, whether that's husbands or wives, I mean, I know I'm speaking to husbands specifically right now, I believe it is a Christian duty to provide life insurance for your family. I do. I do because let me tell you something. I've been through a lot of funerals the last few years as a pastor here at SCC. All of our pastors have. There was one week I think Pastor Jeff himself uh, performed four funerals. Not all necessarily members here. Some are family members of church members, things of that nature. But I can't tell you how many times I have sat at our, uh, back here behind the stage in our office break room, I've sat at that table and tried to plan a funeral with a family that had no means to plan the funeral because somebody didn't plan ahead. You're talking about, well, you know, it'll cost me $30, $40 a month. I'll have to go get a physical. Remember what I said I would shovel if I had to? I'm asking you to do what you need to do to be prepared. Way too many times. Here's the next step I want to offer. And this is something that every single, uh, every, every single person in the room can take today. And it's a simple next step. It says, I will take next steps in meeting my spouse's needs this week. The truth is you might meet the top two that I'm giving you today. But one of the other ones that I, that I said at the beginning, maybe those are the areas where you're missing the mark. I'm just giving you the top two. But I hope you'll take that next step and actually don't just check the box, but actually take that next step. All right, you ready for the number one need of husbands? So, some of y'all are, some of y'all ain't. Some of y'all are at home or like, I'm glad I didn't go to church today. I don't want to be in the room today, Lord. You know, that's what some people are thinking, but here's the deal. The number one need of husbands, and forgive me if I blush a bit, but the number one need of husbands is sexual fulfillment. That, that got an amen. The number one need of husbands is sexual fulfillment. I grew up, uh, our church... You know, our, our church was very traditional, very Pentecostal when I was a child, and we didn't talk about these things at home, let alone in church. And I do think that for hundreds of years, the church has done the people and the marriages a disservice by not being honest and talking about the things that need to be talked about. Amen? We're not going to be afraid to talk about it. If it's in God's word, it's important enough for us to talk to you about whether it offends your sensibilities or not. 1 Corinthians 7, 4 through 5. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. You see, it's both ways. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourself more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. You know, maybe you're here and you're like, well, Chris, you don't understand. He used to be so romantic. He used, to, he used to date me, and, and, and I would come home from a hard day, and there'd be flowers and candles and all that, and, and, and it was a whole event. And now it's just, all right, you ready to go to bed? <laughs> Listen, things change. Things change. Things change, church. Somebody snorted. That was a, that was a good laugh. But, 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 but now you're like, no, 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 no. He's just some, he was so romantic. And now that we're married, he's some crazy lust monster. I don't know what to do with him. He's not a monster. He was built by God with certain needs. And again, it doesn't, it, it's, it might be a hard thing to hear today, but that doesn't mean it's not true. And it's not in God's word. And I would say this, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes this gets used as the weapon. 
well, you didn't do this for me, so you're cut off. But let me tell you something, ladies. Okay, now I've never been a lady, so I know how this is going to sound, but I want you to hear me when I say, as a husband, here's what I can tell you. He's going to feel unwanted. He's going to feel rejected. He's going to feel like something about him is not good enough anymore. Now, I'm not saying, men, that something's supposed to happen every night of your life, okay? Don't you go home and say, well, Pastor Chris, now, Pastor Chris didn't say none of that, (laughs) all right? And it's documented video. You can go back and watch. That's what the kids say, show me the receipts. There's the receipts. But here's the crazy thing. Maybe you're a husband and you're like, well, this will fix everything. We'll go home and talk about it. I'm willing to bet that you don't meet all five of her greatest needs every day either. Because if everybody met everybody's greatest needs in marriage, we wouldn't have to talk about it in church. I'm going to read a letter for you. Will you say that now? I'm going to read a letter for you. This was actually a letter that a husband wrote his wife. I'm going to try to get through this without laughing. It says, to my loving wife, during the past year, I've tried to make love to you 365 times. (laughs) I have succeeded only 36. This is an average. This guy did the math. This is an average of once every 10 days. The following is a list of reasons why I did not succeed the other 329 times. Now, I'm not going to tell you how many times each is. Okay, because we'll be here a while. But it was either too, too late, it was too early, it was too hot, it was too cold, it would wake the children, we got company over, the neighbor's windows are open, like you must live in a really close together. <laughs> anyway, um, you were too full, I was too full. You had a headache, a backache, a toothache, the giggles. <laughs> I don't understand the giggles. Anyway. You pretended to be asleep. Now, y'all, that one is 46 times. That is the most. I didn't think y'all was going to laugh. I was expecting a, ooh, 46 times, 36 times not in the mood. Uh, You had a mud pack on. You watched TV late. I watched TV late. The baby was crying. All the babies were crying. You had to go to the bathroom. For a total of 329 times during the times I did succeed, the activity was not entirely satisfactory for a variety of reasons. Now, you would think that he could have just stopped. This is what he said. Six times you chewed gum the whole time. Seven times you watched TV the whole time. Sixteen times you said, hurry up. Six times I tried to wake you and let you know we were done. One time, I thought you died before you started snoring. Before you started snoring. He says, honey, it's no wonder I'm cranky. Your loving husband. Good night. Listen, men, if you spend... If this man, here's what I want to tell you about him. All those things are funny, and they might speak to some, some of the issues that married people are facing. But here's what I want to tell you. If you're a husband and you're thinking this is a good idea, if you would spend as much time pursuing your wife as you would documenting your wife, that might be a little bit more than every 10 days. Like I said, the world says he should be able to control and go without. Let's just get back to being, you know, that was funny. But the world says, the world tells you he should just be able to control and go without. And, and if it's once a year on his birthday, he should just be happy you paid him attention at all. 
that's not what the Bible said. Remember the verse said the only time you should, be, you should both stop is when you both agree and it's to focus on prayer. So if you don't have a healthy life in the bedroom, you better have the healthiest prayer life. That's the only way marriage works. It's the only way that marriage works. Now, men, before you get all excited, let's get to this. The number one need of wives. The number one need of wives is family commitment. Family commitment. Now, maybe you're wondering, what does that mean? Well, I'm going to give you an A, B, C, D on what that means because it's, it's, it means different things. Okay? It's a commitment. It's exactly what it says. The first one, though, and I want everybody to hear me, man, woman, child that might be married one day. But I want you to hear this, too, is I'm not speaking to your past. I'm speaking to your future when I say this. But the first thing that a family commitment means is this letter A, be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. Proverbs 6.32 says this, and the Bible puts it very plainly. It says, he who commits adultery is an utter fool, for he destroys his own soul. That's, that's powerful. Like your soul, that's what goes to heaven. You, you read the whole book? You don't want, I mean, I'm just saying, I think you get what I'm saying. I think you get the level of importance with that. And I just want to be honest with you. You made a commitment. And when you want to leave, like I said at the very beginning, stay. That's how you do. That's how you accomplish being faithful. And that one's, like I said, that one's from everybody. Now for the next three, I want to read you another letter. I wish I could tell you this one was funny like that one, but this is a letter of a wife that was written to her pastor. And it's a real letter. I, I don't know for sure that the first one was, but this one is. It's a real letter written to a real pastor that I've met. She talks about her husband. Now, get this. Her husband wasn't abusive in any way. He wasn't abusive in any way at all. He, he, he never cheated on her. He, he paid the bills. He did most of the things a normal husband should do. But he missed some of the most important ones. And this is what she wrote. And it's heartbreaking, but it's true. Dear pastor, I am so angry at my husband. At first, when I came to church last Sunday, I was angry to hear that I had to forgive him again. I don't think I can do it again and again. He's hurt me so many times that I've built up a wall so he can't hurt me or my children anymore. And I've compromised on my own happiness and self-dignity to the point that I've even thought about suicide many, many times. My heart is breaking. You say I should keep forgiving him because the Bible says so a thousand times, forever, for better, for worse. I will die before I give him another 20 years of my life. Please tell me to what extent I must take this. How far must he push me? How much must I take? Please answer me in the rest of this marriage series. You know, I think we can all agree that reading through that, our hearts break for her, whether we've ever met her or not. Here's what you got to know, though. He didn't, he didn't abuse her. He didn't abuse the kids. He provided. He did everything that a husband should do with the one exception. He was never there. His sin was neglect. His kids didn't know him. His wife didn't have a clue. And I don't know whether he was a workaholic. You know, maybe he was one of those guys that, that worked so hard to give his kids everything he never had, but then he forgets to give them a dad. I don't know. 
Those, those situations break my heart because your kids need you a lot more than they need what's in the bank. Amen? Amen. Your wife needs you a lot, more than what, a lot more than she needs what's in the bank. You can, you can work a normal job and get home and spend time with your family. I'm not saying men shouldn't have hobbies, but the hobbies don't come before the family. Letter B, getting into what it means to, family, to have family commitment. Letter B is this, co-parent. I thought I would get an amen from a, from a wife or two on that one, but maybe not. Maybe he's here today. I don't know, but co-parent. <laughs> Ephesians 6, 4, the apostle Paul wrote, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Here's what this means, and I'm going to make it short and sweet. Men, if you get a call in the middle of the day that your child is wilding out and your wife needs help, don't tell her you deal with it. Okay, because you made that child too. Just because you're busy doesn't mean you can't deal with it. And here's another thing, ladies, wives, moms, if you have a husband who lives in the home, don't hit him with the wait till your father gets home because you got power and authority in that house too. Don't, and, and if you give it away, your child's going to notice that. I just want to let you know. Let her see. Let her see. We'll lighten the mood a little bit. Let her see is this, keep up your home. Keep up your home. Woo, that one got an amen. Keep up your home. Not every man is Bob Vila, okay? Not everybody can fix everything. I might have dated myself even mentioning old Bob there, but this is what Ecclesiastes 10.18 says. Through laziness, the rafters sag. Because of idle hands, the house leaks. Through laziness, the toilet won't stop running. Through idle hands, the oven door squeaks. That's another way you could put that. That's another way you can put that. And maybe you're like me, and you are way better at breaking stuff than fixing it. Right? Like, Jessica is more handy than I am. I'm going to be honest with y'all. Like, I have found, I, I'm like that guy that found a thousand ways that don't work without ever finding the one that did, you know. Uh, but, but here's the thing I have gotten good at, and if you're like me, you can get good at this too. You want me to tell you the secret? Google it. Google it, YouTube it. I talked to a mom the other day that she had a 13 son, a 13 year old son, and she was telling me that her son uh, had a truck that he had, he had been building up since he was 11 because he wanted to build his first vehicle himself. Now he was building this vehicle and had to do something with the gas tank. So he got on YouTube and figured out without any kind of, you know, hoists or hydraulic machines, how he could use a bunch of belts, like belts strapped together to hold it in place and all of this other stuff. And this 13 year old kid installed a gas tank on a pickup truck. If that kid can do that, fellas, you can nail back in that board that's hanging out of your fence. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But you can find somebody. You can find somebody. Letter D. Letter D. And it's crazy to think that this one may be one of the most controversial things I'm going to say all day. But the last thing I want to share with you is letter D. Be the spiritual leader of your home. Be the spiritual leader of your home. If you're here today and you're a husband, if you're joining online and you're a husband, and you would call yourself a Christian, I'm just going to speak very frankly to, to the men right for a second. Matthew 16, 24 says this, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross 
and follow me. Here's what that means. You can't follow somebody standing still. That means you read the examples of Christ. You don't just hear something in church or in small group or on the radio and think it's a good idea and then leave it there. If it sounds like a good idea or a next step that you need to take to model the way for your family, then take the step. Every journey starts with one step. I don't care how far behind you feel today. Every journey starts with one step. Model the way. Maybe you're here today and your next step needs to be growth track. You hear us talk about it all the time. Matter of fact, I I got to talk to a great man this morning and and that's going to be his next step. That's how he's going to model the way for the people that he comes in contact with and the people that he cares about. I would challenge you to do that. And as a matter of fact, that's a great thing that families can do together. Middle school, high school, moms, dads, all of those age groups are welcome in growth track because you have a purpose for your life. And that's where you're going to figure that out or take some steps to figure that out. The next thing, earlier today, we all applauded and we were all excited and we sang along as people took their next step of baptism. If you are a Christian and you have not been baptized, that is your next step. I can tell you that with complete certainty because that was Jesus' first step when he started his ministry and we follow him. We take up our cross, we follow him. It doesn't matter how heavy the burden is, we had to be willing to take up our cross and follow him, amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? The last next step for many, many watching online, maybe it's your very, very, very first step. And you would say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't have a savior. If I died today, I don't know that I would go to heaven and see grandma or grandpa who told me all about Jesus growing up because I need to make that decision. There's a prayer inside your program and I know I've already asked you to stand here in the room, but there's a prayer inside your program I would challenge you to pray. And if that's you, all I would ask is that you fill that out on your connection card. I wanna pray for you this week and I wanna resource you because we believe in setting you up for a win. You know, I hope and pray is uh, I'm gonna pray to close this out, but I do hope and pray that through this series, that through this series, you've, you felt empowered. Whether you're a husband who's trying to get a little better, whether you're a wife who's trying to get a little better, a young couple thinking about getting married, even if you're recently or long-term divorced and you're trying to figure out how do I work with the relationships that I'm, of people that I'm not married to, I hope you've been able to take something from these last four weeks. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for you. We're grateful that you've created a place where we can come together and we can learn how to get better in these areas so that we can better model for our children, the future, the next generation of world leaders, decision makers, pastors, doctors, nurses, astronauts, firemen, whatever it is, we need to model the way. And the way doesn't start in church. If we wait seven days until Sunday gets here so for somebody else to teach our family about God, we have missed the mark by a mile. God, it starts at home. It starts in marriage. That's where those seeds are planted. And we thank you, Father. And we pray that we can put the stuff that we've learned together as, as a group, as a church, as a body of believers, the stuff that we've learned, that we can put that together so that we can turn he said, she said into his needs being met and her needs being met. And we can have success in marriage. Amen.
Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.